0: Good evening and welcome to our Evening Vespers. Please join me in the confession of sin as you find it on page 120. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hand, to set forth His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and salvation. O come, let us worship him. Let us kneel and bow down before him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, I have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have devoured the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We have done those things which we should not have done, and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise for the hymn. You may be seated for the lection. Our lesson for this evening is taken from the 12th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark, beginning with verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Amen. About five months ago in Jerusalem, in the area known as the Temple Mount, which is where the original temple once sat, now it is a, an Islamic mosque, there was a large group of Palestinian Muslims that barricaded themselves inside of this mosque area called Al-Aqsa. And... Uh, They did it for a particular reason. There were rumors that had spread that some of the Jewish men in the city of Jerusalem were planning to go inside of this area and sacrifice and offer a goat, which would defile this mosque for them. And so these rumors caused hundreds of Islamic men to go in there to try to protect this mosque. And Israeli police finally had to come in and raid the whole situation. And there were 400 people arrested and 50 people were injured during the incident. It just happened not too many months ago. The Temple Mount area in Jerusalem is a very contentious zone in the city of Jerusalem. There are three different enormous religions in the world that consider it a holy site. And it's a, today a very active, busy place. And there are people from all around the world uh, churning around this part of the city of Jerusalem. And in Jesus' day, the temple area, the Temple Mount, was also a, a hub of tremendous activity because of the actual temple worship that was still being performed there and carried on. There were various courts outside of the temple grounds, uh, on the grounds, that, uh, that people would come and offer their prayers and at times make sacrifices. There were a lot of tourists from other parts of the world who would be there. And the incident in front of us today takes place in that region and probably in the area known as the Women's Court. And there were more than a dozen receptacles in that part of the temple area that, uh, where people could come and give offerings both to the work of the temple and in some cases alms for the poor <clears throat> to help out rather poor people. And they describe, in, in some of the Jewish writings, they describe what these uh, receptacles were like, these places where people would place their offerings. They were designed at the top to look like the top of a big trumpet. And they, each one had a Hebrew letter inscribed on it. And this was, this was quite a prominent area where people would bop, walk by and give their gifts. And the disciples of Jesus, along with our Lord, are sitting there kind of observing all of this and if if they were like me probably being impressed with some of the large amounts of money that certain people were dumping into these receptacles and it's easy for us sometimes to be very impressed with very large gifts that can be given to the church and especially if it reaches a certain amount of money we can we can really take note of that but jesus shows us that he looks rather differently as to how these gifts and offerings are coming in. And he knows the secret lives of the people giving them. He knows what's going on in their hearts. He knows every cent in their bank accounts. And he knows exactly what the motive is inside of each person's reason for why they're giving their gifts. And every life and every soul, every mind, every heart is like an open book to our Lord because of his great omniscience as the Son of God. And a text like this reminds us of that famous line, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And uh, that's how he peers down inside of us. There's a line in here that Jesus says about this woman where she gave all that she had, her her entire amount of money, all that she had. Funny story happened supposedly right here in Mankato. When I was a child, I remember hearing this story from a number of places, people in our church, that apparently someone had gone out to collect money for UNICEF and a kind of a children's fund and had gone door to door in Mankato. Apparently this was in the Mankato Free Press. And uh, a lady, uh, someone came to a lady's door, an older woman, and asked her for a donation and she said, I just really don't have any money to give. And the man said to her, could you at least give the widow's mite? And she said, Oh, for goodness sakes, no, I could never give that much. (laughs) Because she knew well what the story meant, that that meant her entire income. One of my professors from seminary used to say, though, and rightly so, about this story, this is not a lesson about stewardship. It's not really a lesson about how we give or how much we give to God. It's rather a story about faith and about confidence and trust in the promises of God that he's given to us in his word a commentator by the name of Richard Lensky writes this poverty is a blessing when it compels the poor man to cast himself upon God who has promised to care for his children we don't think about poverty that way but In a spiritual sense, it can be a blessing, he's saying, when it causes us to really cast our entire care into the hands of God based upon his promises to us. Now, the quality of her gift, of this woman's gift in our text, has nothing to do with the monetary value. Uh, Even the fact that she's so extremely generous to give all she has really uh, has nothing to do with the quality of her gift. In Jesus' eyes and in his mind, the quality of her gift is found in her confidence and in her trust in what God has promised her as far as taking care of her. You know, billionaires can give large large amounts of money, uh, even to the church, and impress a lot of people by that. But from God's perspective, even when it's from a humble, very poor believer giving Um, Maybe much more than than others would be giving if you looked at percentages It's the fact that the heart is relying upon him And upon all the things that he has told us that he will do for us and far as far as taking care of us This is the thing that God is looking for and that God admires Now I can be very stingy in my giving to God and into the things of his church And when that temptation comes over me, it is really ultimately traced back to my lack of faith. It's to my lack of trust in the fact that God promises not only to take care of me, but he even promises blessing to those uh, who do give generously to him and to his kingdom. So the distinguishing characteristic in all of this that God is looking for whenever a gift is given toward him is really the condition of the heart. That's what matters the most. If you think about it, God's got all the money in the world. He made it all. He possesses it all. He doesn't need our gifts in that sense, okay? Uh, But what he's looking for inside of us is why we're giving, what's motivating us to give, and, and our trust in what he tells us. Cain and Abel, if you remember the story in early chapters of Genesis, both brought gifts to God, both made sacrifices to God. And their offerings, maybe on the surface, both looked very much the same. But faith is what distinguished those gifts from each other. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man his gift was given out of faith, trust and confidence in God, more than likely also especially in the coming Messiah, the promise that had been given that a savior would come someday. So God loves to look into the hearts of his faithful and to see them latch on to his word and to grab onto that word and want to trust that word. Notice how glowing Jesus is with appreciation for this this woman and the gift that she offers as tiny as it is he connects it all back to her heart of faith he connects it back to her confidence in the things that her God has promised to her and has done for her and it's interesting we don't we don't get to know her name and yet Christians from the first century on throughout all time and all history of the church have an admiration for this woman this poor widow And think what a thing the Holy Spirit does by holding this up in front of us as a wonderful example. And someday we'll get to meet these individuals in heaven who are unknown to us otherwise. The true point of this incident is not merely her faith, and not necessarily even just her confidence in God's promises, but ultimately it's about the object of her faith. The fact that her faith is grounded in the good and gracious promises that God gives to her and to all of us. So it's the object of faith that God ultimately would have us focus on in this story. And even when you and I have a small and if yours is like mine at times, a kind of quivering faith that is unsure and and not very settled and solid, even that humble, lowly faith at times still possesses everything that god promises and everything that our savior says that he has come to give us the complete and full forgiveness of sins whether i trust in that with a weak faith or a bold confident and strong gripping faith i still possess the same thing the holy righteousness you need before god that christ has created for you to get to heaven whether you have a weak faith in that whether you have a strong and solid faith in that you still possess that same right you're still clothed with that same holy robe of righteousness by faith the promise of going to heaven because of the work of your savior whether you have a a weak timid faith about that or whether you have a bold concrete faith that is solidly holding on to it you still possess heaven whether weak or strong in that faith because the purpose the, the, the real focus in all of this is the object of our faith, not the strength of our faith. Now, when observing this woman, we can say with the Anglican hymn writer William Bathurst, Lord, give me such a faith as this, and then whatever may come, we'll taste even here the hallowed bliss of an eternal home. Amen. Please rise for the versicle and then the singing of the Noctimittis.